Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. It's great to be back with our listeners once again. How thankful we are to have the opportunity to come together each day on Search the Scriptures, open up God's Word, dig a little bit deeper, and strengthen our faith a little bit more, since faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. We're thankful that you're there, we're thankful that we're here, and that we have the means and the ability and the opportunity to come together and study God's Word on such a regular basis and on such a worldwide basis because these radio programs are not just broadcast over the airwaves, but they're also posted on our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, and thereby they are available to through the internet all over the world. So we're thankful that we can put God's word out there on such a widespread basis. And we encourage you to encourage everyone you know to go to our website, again, churchofchrist.com, scroll down the home page to our podcast button, click on that, and sign up for our podcasting. It'll only take about one minute, and it will be free all of the time. It always is free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. When somebody signs up for our podcasting, whatever smart device they choose, their smartphone or computer, laptop, pad, tablet, whatever it might be, the radio programs, Search the Scriptures, will automatically go to their smart device, but a whole lot more than just our radio programs. There's a great daily Bible study that we call Today's Bible Class. It's only about 13 minutes long each day, but that goes out seven days a week, and it covers really pertinent personal issues that are scripturally and spiritually related. But in addition to that, all of our sermons are posted, and they go right to podcasting as well, and a Sunday morning Bible class and a Sunday evening or Wednesday evening Bible class. All of that will automatically go to your smart device, again, consistently, and it will always be free. Now, on our website, people can also utilize the posting of hundreds of sermons, literally, and those are being posted now in video format as well as audio format, and they can also access hundreds of scripturally-based, spiritually-oriented articles that they can download, read, and study through. Well, a lot of resource material available there. And there are links to other websites that will help them in their spiritual growth as well. So encourage everybody. And if you're not already accessing our website yourself, then you do that as well. Churchofchrist.com. Churchofchrist.com. Our Bible, our Bible classes begin each Sunday morning at 9.30. Our worship service begins at 10.30. Wednesday evening Bible classes begin at 6.30 each Wednesday evening. If you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and check us out, study with us, grow spiritually with us, worship God with us on a regular basis. Again, our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street. 3606 North 108th Street in Omaha. You're welcome to any and all of our services. We're going to get back into our study, asking the question, does it make sense to believe in God? Does God really exist? Well, you obviously know the answer to the question, as we have indicated already, and certainly 
search the scriptures, teaches God his existence and teaches his word all of the time. But what we're doing in this particular series, and I believe this is a fundamental point in our human existence of belief. We need to believe in things. We call it faith from a spiritual perspective, but faith also goes into other areas of our lives. But faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen when we're talking about it as it relates to our spiritual lives. Hebrews 11 and verse 1. So when we're talking about spiritual faith, belief in God, we're not talking about a wild wish or an unrealistic dream or a blind leap in the dark as some people would, would uh, identify faith as being. Oh, far from that. In fact, exactly the opposite of that. Our faith in God is based upon real, logical, and objective reasoning. There's evidence, the Hebrews writer says, behind our faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who would come to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. Jesus said in John 8 and verse 24, I said, therefore, that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he, the Son of God, our Lord and Savior, the Messiah, you will die in your sins. Again, John 8 and verse 24. Now, many people, though, would say, well, I don't believe in God, and so I'm not going to believe in those teachings from that book that claims to be God's Word. Well, in this particular series, and we're looking at it in sections, I believe there is compelling, compelling analytical reasoning or logical reasoning and examination that not only points to the existence of God, but compels us to believe in God because there is no other logical conclusion to come to. And one of the most compelling proofs of God's existence is the basic sense of morality within the conscience of mankind. Nothing else that God created on this earth, no other life form, has a conscience. But we do. We understand the very principles of right and wrong, of goodness and evil, of righteousness and wickedness. Why? Why are we so unique? from everything else that exists on this earth because God created us in his own image after his likeness, Genesis 1 and verse 26 and 27. So he created us with a spiritual being within our physical being. And that spiritual being is referred to repeatedly through the scriptures as our soul. We are not just physical beings, but we are also spiritual beings because God is spirit and God created us in his own image after his likeness. And thereby, we understand the very principles of right and wrong, of good and evil, of morality and immorality. In this particular section, we're talking about morality the reality of morality. 
and the fact that morality exists within the conscience of mankind points to a moral law giver. Morality requires a moral law giver. How do you explain morality without God? Who is the moral law giver? What is the basic standard for moral law without God? It's not human beings because we're all over the place. You ask a hundred of us a whole host of different questions as to moral or immoral, we'll give you all kinds of different answers. And come back to us in five or ten years, ask us the same questions, and a lot of us will have changed our position on what is moral and what is immoral. You see, we're all over the place, and we change with the wind. Except when we turn to God's moral law, recognizing that there has to be a moral lawgiver, and that moral lawgiver is God. Now, evolution cannot explain morality, because evolution is based upon naturalistic physical uh, physical existence and somehow an evolutionary process that keeps changing the physical being. But it cannot explain mentality. It cannot explain conscience. It cannot explain morality, the sense of morality. Morality requires a moral lawgiver. And that moral lawgiver is God. Morality is from God. And without God, there is no such thing as morality, real morality, because there is no standard, no basic standard for morality without God. In Jeremiah 10 and verse 23, the prophet wrote, O Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. Well, again, that's true. You talk to one person, do you think this is moral or immoral? Well, he'll say one thing. You talk to a few more people, somebody's going to disagree with him. Somebody's going to think what he thinks is moral is, is not necessarily moral. And what he thinks is immoral is not necessarily immoral. Again, see, we're all over the place. Left on our own, our reasoning is flighty. <laughs> we're fickle based on our own feelings. That's subjective reasoning and subjective analysis. But when we're talking about objective reasoning and analysis, now we've got to, we've got to turn to a, and recognize a basic standard of morality, a moral law. There are certain things that we recognize, everybody recognizes, as being immoral. You don't murder somebody. That's immoral. You don't hit a, an older lady over the head, an elderly person, and steal her purse. That's immoral. You don't cheat somebody out of their life savings. That's immoral. Well, see, we understand that. Everybody understands that. A basic standard of morality. Where did that come from? Man doesn't make it up. Because you see, there are people who will hit that little old lady over the head and steal her purse and feel perfectly fine about it. There are people who commit murders all the time and they're okay. They have no conscience about it. There are people who, they make a living cheating other people out of their inheritance or out of their life savings and they feel no compunction about it. 
Now, there are the exceptions, but everybody basically understands those actions are immoral. Where did that basic standard come from? From God. Morality requires a moral lawgiver. There is no moral lawgiver that is reliable, that is objective. No standard for that without God. Without God. Man cannot establish morality on his own because, again, left to his own reasoning, his sense of morality changes with the wind. And because God is all-knowing and absolutely righteous, he sees the true motives behind a person's individual reasoning of right and wrong. God knows what is truly good and what is truly evil, and his word communicates that to us. And thereby, we come to understand that basic standard of morality. The prophet Jeremiah wrote in Jeremiah 17, beginning with verse 9, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now that flies in the face of human subjective reasoning, doesn't it? Or human emotions. How many times have you heard people say, or maybe you've even expressed this yourself, I'm just following my heart. What does your heart say? Just follow your heart. If it feels right in your heart, it must be okay. God's prophet says, uh, no, <laughs> not necessarily. He said the heart is deceitful, deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The next verse goes on and says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. Remember that the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10 that we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ on that final day of judgment when the Lord comes again and give account of the things done in the body, whether good or bad. You see, God, he tests the heart. Where are we truly in terms of morality? Where are we? A wake-up call is what this particular verse ought to tell us. We just follow our hearts? A whole lot of people have done a lot of evil things following their hearts. A whole lot of people have done some self-destructive things following their hearts. The heart is deceitful above all things. God's prophet wrote for our instruction. In Proverbs chapter 3, beginning with verse 5, Proverbs chapter 3 and beginning with verse 5, notice what we read here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. We need guidance, don't we? We need guidance. What if we told our little children when they're three or four years old, or five years old, or six or seven or eight years old, hey, just do whatever you feel good about doing. Just follow your heart. And we gave them no instruction as to what is really good and what is really bad. Well, we'd say as parents, that would be absolutely absurd. Well, take that to a higher level. 
God is our creator. He created us in his image as moral beings. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. He shall direct your paths. Verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes for the Lord, uh, fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Sometimes we find the right path to be challenging. The way through life that will really benefit us the most, at points along that way, we find difficulty, don't we? I've said often that self-examination can be painful. (laughs) Because a lot of times it leads us to come to recognize that we have made some bad mistakes. Well, we come to certain points in our pathway through life wherein we're trying to live that godly life, that moral life. And okay, here's a hard choice. Here's a hard choice. If I stand for righteousness, I'm going to have to stand against someone I love because they're participating in unrighteous acts. I've got to tell them the truth. I've got to tell them that what you're doing is wrong. It's self-destructive. It's going to cause you problems down the road and maybe not very far down the road. I'm going to have to tell the truth. Well, But if I trust in God, God is wiser than we are. And he knows that standing up for morality ultimately is going to be the best decision and the best course through life for us personally, but also through our example to others before us and around us. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, that we're supposed to be the salt of the earth. We're supposed to be a good seasoning influence on people and the world around us. And we're supposed to be the light of the world. Now, this world is caught up in the darkness of sin, engulfed in that darkness. But we're supposed to be shining lights of righteousness, of godliness. And we're supposed to let our light so shine that others may see our good works to God's glory. Matthew 5 and verse 16. See, the way of truth is the only right way, ultimately. Now, it may cause us some heartache because of what we have to stand up against at times. But ultimately, it is the way that will bring us the greatest happiness and fulfillment. And that's eternal life in heaven with God and Christ and the Holy Spirit. Yes, we need to take that stand. We need to stand up for morality. The world around us needs to see that example in us and through our lives. The wise man wrote in Proverbs chapter 5, Proverbs chapter 5, beginning with verse 21. For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. His own iniquities entrap the wicked man, 
and he is caught in the cords of his sin. He shall die for lack of instruction, and in the greatness of his folly he shall go astray. The way of man, the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. You know, I can remember <laughs> so clearly as a little boy looking up from whatever I was doing and seeing my father staring right at me. He did not have to say a word. He did not have to get up from where he was sitting and take one step toward me. All he had to do was look at me. And I knew I, knew I needed to stop what I was doing. Well, if we could imagine God looking down upon us from heaven and observing what we're doing and not being pleased and letting that motivate us to stop, to change what we're doing, to stop doing what displeases God, we'll live a better life. We'll be happier. We'll enjoy greater fulfillment. Sin entraps a wicked person. Sin is like a, when we're living in a sinful life, it's like a spider web that just keeps trapping us and weaving us in more and more and more. And the wicked person, the person living a sinful lifestyle, going to die for lack of instruction. How many times have you tried to talk to somebody who kept making the same kinds of bad mistakes and suffering the consequences, but they never seemed to learn the lesson and they just kept going back and doing it over and over and over again and suffering over and over and over again and maybe causing problems to other people who love them? You might think of alcoholics, drug addicts, but it could be somebody who just can't seem to control themselves when they get some money or the way they act sexually. And you try to talk to them and they don't want to hear it. They never get the lesson. And they continue on to their own self-destruction. I wonder how God feels about us when we keep ignoring his word and we keep doing things that ultimately are leading us to our eternal self-destruction. God is the moral lawgiver. Morality requires a moral lawgiver. And without God, there is no morality. And how, what a horrible place this world would be without a moral law. Let's pray. Father in heaven, help us to see the wisdom and the goodness of living by your moral law. Help people all over the world to recognize this, Father, and to come to you through your way. Please forgive us, gracious Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.